Uh, if you got a Bible this morning, I want you to open the book of James chapter 1. And, and this morning, uh, we have the privilege of, of kind of concluding our Christmas series called The Wonder of Christmas. And so this morning, man, we're, we're here to worship the Lord and to hear from His Word. And uh, Merry Christmas again to everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, I know you could be at home. I know you could be with family and all those things are important. But man, the fact that we can come together and corporately worship is, a, is amazing. And so 11 years is, is going to be a long time that, for us not to get to do this again on a Christmas day. And so I think it's in, in, important and, and it's special for us. And I'm thankful personally to have the opportunity to spend it with you today, really. It, it is an honor uh, to be, where, be here with my church family. Uh, my prayers are with those that can't be here. We have some in our church family that can't be here today. They, they want to be here, but can't be here. And we do miss you very, very much. And we're praying for you and for your family. And uh, we pray that today Christ is glorified in your life. And we're thankful for you. And, uh, and so just know that. And I know that this time of year, man, it, it, it is an interesting time of year. Uh, normally a time of food and family and fellowship, but, but many of us also experience difficulty, sometimes despair or depression or even anxiety. Uh, and this time of year, listen, as we, as, we, as we gather with our family, many times it's not uncommon to look across the living room or look across the, the dining room table, and, and we, we remember those that aren't with us any longer. And, and man, our, our heart goes out to all of us. My heart goes out to all of you. We have that in our family. I'm sure you have that in your family. Uh, and man, God is... God is a good God that even in the midst of, of, of despair and anxiety and, and depression and, and man, the holidays are kind of a weird thing, man, because as, as joyous and peaceful as they can be and exciting, they also bring with it the reality that, man, we're missing people out of our, our family and our loved ones. And, and so I want you to know that there is hope and peace and good tidings available in the person of Christ, even when life seems hopeless and full of conflict and, and, and if you've watched the media, full of bad news. Man, even in the midst of that, there's good news, there's hope and peace available in the person of Christ. And, and so what we've done every week leading up to, to today is to take a, a, an aspect of the Christmas story and to study it and, and look at the wonder of Christmas through the lens of Scripture. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we started in, in the book of Luke and we talked about Mary and how God used this young woman, this young girl, she had an opportunity that God presented her to be a part of his bigger plan for the world and for the universe. And even as a young girl, and I'm sure she was anxious about what God revealed to her through his angel, she prioritized God's glory over her own. And God used her in a, in a magnificent way. She made herself available for God to bring forth fruit through the power of the Holy Ghost in her life. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that that's the same thing that God wants to do for us today and through us today, that, that through His Holy Spirit, God's desire is to bring glory to God through the womb of our life as we yield ourselves as, as servants and, and members for His glory. And, and that's where we started a couple of weeks ago. And then, and then two weeks ago, we, we looked at the Christmas story and we looked at the story of the shepherds. And, and many of you will remember that story, right? That's the, we've got to get the narrative of our nativity right. And those shepherds were there at the beginning, at the birth. They saw Christ in the manger. They were the first people to see the incarnation. And that's a big word, but all it means is God in the flesh. And the very first witnesses outside of Joseph and Mary and God Almighty himself was these shepherds. It was this group of shepherds. And and we said two weeks ago that God has a heart for the shepherd. As you study the Bible, man, there, there's over and over men in the Bible that were shepherds, that were good men, that were godly men, that feared God and were used by God. And the reason that God has a heart for the shepherd is because Christ himself is a good shepherd. He's, he's, he's the great shepherd, the Bible says. He is the chief shepherd of the sheep. And man, those shepherds in, 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 the God, in the Christmas story, they responded rightly to the revelation that they received, and they got to see the, the manifestation of God in the flesh. And once they saw him, they couldn't stop talking about him. As a matter of fact, they would be what you would consider the first evangelist in the Bible, because they made known abroad the saying concerning this child. And, and if we were to take the time to study it, we don't have time this morning, but, but the saying that was, that was spread abroad was, 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Man, that's good news. And, and that, that, that offer of a Savior is for all people. And so, listen, all people need to hear that message. And, and God, God shows us through the lens of Scripture that the first people that, that propagated that message to the world, man, were shepherds. It's amazing. They saw Christ manifest in the flesh, and they couldn't stop sharing what they saw and who he was. And then, and then last week, we, we went back to the, the book of Matthew, and we looked at the wonder of the wise men, right? All these elements that are a part of the Christmas story. And we said, man, who were these wise men that showed up to see this young child Christ? And, and these would have been Gentiles from the east, the Bible says. And, and again, don't, I don't know if any of you went home and smashed your nativity last week. We talked about getting the narrative of your nativity right. No offense, but those wise men weren't at the manger. They were actually at the house, the Bible tells us, in Bethlehem. And, and it was two years later that they showed up. And, and if you did, went home and smash it. Man, praise the Lord. You, you, you have righteousness in your life. Okay, so anyways, I was, I was like, maybe we should just offer you bring all your nativities up here and we'll smash them together. Okay, so anyway. So listen, these wise men came from the east, and, and these wise men would have been familiar with Daniel from the Old Testament in Babylon and his teachings about how he propagated the Word of God amongst the Babylonian people. And years and years later, these people would have had access to the scriptures that Daniel would have exposed and taught them, and they responded to this star that they saw. And they made the journey to Bethlehem. And it show, they show up two years after his birth. And listen, when they show up, those wise men teach us what it means to be a true worshiper of God. They, they show us that, 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 that when you come to Christ, listen, you're coming to him and he is the king worthy of worship. And, and man, when they came to this king, they bowed themselves down, they worshiped, they corporately gathered together in this house to worship the one true king. Kind of like, kind of like what we're doing this morning. We're gathering together in the house of God to worship a king. And listen, their worship was costly because they offered to him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and again, we talked about how many, many people kind of say, well, there must have been just three of them because there are three gifts mentioned. But I believe there was many, many more than just three. I believe it was an entire entourage, if you will, of, of wise men that show up. And, and they brought these three gifts specifically because Christ is a king and he's worthy of gold. And Christ is a priest, and he's worthy of frankincense. And Christ is the prophet that died for our sin, and he's worthy of myrrh. And, and through those wise men, we learned that Christ is worthy of worship. And listen, after they worshiped him, we saw last week that when they left, the Bible says that they went another way. And, and we know historically that Herod was going to kill them and kill all the, the young children in the land. And God warned them Hey, don't go back to Herod. Go back to your land another way. And we just made the practical application last week that, listen, every person that comes and truly worships Christ as the king, when they leave, they'll walk a different way. You'll walk a different way. You'll, you'll walk a different way than when you came. You'll walk a different way after you worship. And, and, and man, listen, that ought to encourage us that, that man, the, the opportunities we have to gather together and corporately worship God, it ought to change our life. It ought to change our life so that we walk differently as we walk with Him. And so this morning, let's, let's put a bow on it, so to speak. And this morning is the last message in our series. And, and this morning, the message is entitled, The Wonder of Good Gifts. The Wonder of Good Gifts. And I know a lot of our kids are in the room this morning. And so let me ask you kids, you had a good Christmas so far? Kids, thumbs up, thumbs down. How many of you have not opened your presents yet? Man, you guys are dedicated, all right? I'm just telling you right now, we got like, <laughs> you got some tough parents right over here, man. How many of you, how many of you opened presents with your kids last night? Any, anybody? You guys have been opening like all week long. I, you, that doesn't really count, right? <laughs> last night, okay, this morning, who, who got up this morning super early to do it this morning? God bless you guys, man. Look at that's what I'm talking about. And you made it to church. That's awesome. Listen, it's all about the gift, right? And, and I mean, listen, we're, we're, this morning is, it is the day, right? It is the thing that as a kid, especially, you're looking forward to, and even adults, right? We, we, we look forward to getting 
good gifts. Man, the, the chance to open presents just yesterday for us, you know, we did it uh, kind of yesterday afternoon. I told Allie, I was like, okay, we, we need to go ahead and pull uh, the trigger on this because we can't wait too late because then they won't go to bed because they want to play with all the stuff. And we, we have to, we have, you know, pretty standard bedtime at our house, even over Christmas. Like, okay, you're getting on my nerves, go to bed. Okay, so... <laughs> So we, we, we hit early afternoon in hopes that, hey, you can enjoy these things and then still go to bed, and we have church on Sunday. And it was cool, man, watching my girls because, you know, we knew what they wanted, and we, we kind of talked about it. But it was cool just watching them open these things with excitement and anticipation. And, and for one of my kids, even a little anxiousness, like, I'm nervous. I don't really know what's in here. And... <laughs> Well, open it, and you'll see what's in there. And, and maybe your kids are like that too. And, and man, they're thankful, and 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 it blesses us as parents to to see that. It's really cool. And and I want you to know that 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 experience is a biblical experience. And the reason that it's a biblical experience is because God is a good giver of gifts. And so I want to just share one passage of of scripture with you this morning. We'll expound it. We'll be done. James chapter 1, verse 17, not the most common Christmas passage, but I believe very powerful in its presentation. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And you need to understand that the book of James is written by James the Apostle, and it's written to a, a group of, of Jews that are scattered historically during persecution. You find that early in the book of Acts. And so this is a book that deals with trials and tribulation, and yet God wants to teach us through that that God himself is faithful, even in hard times. And that's why I said earlier, listen, we know that that as God gives this passage to the, the audience in the book of James, just like God wants us to understand today, you're not necessarily guaranteed easy and good times all the time. But God is still faithful and good in the midst of that. As a matter of fact, look at James 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And so listen, in the midst of tribulation and trial and adversity and even uncertainty, and that's kind of where we live, right? I mean, anybody's power go off this week? Any, anybody's heater stop working this week? I mean, listen, it's kind of a rough couple of days, like honestly. And I know some of you lost water and lost power. And, and, and man, those are, those are trials. Those are tribulations. Those are adversity. And yet in the midst of that, there's a passage, there's a verse that talks about the goodness of God as a father. Just to remind us that God, God's goodness and, and his, his character as a good father, it reminds us that he has the strength and ability to give good gifts to his children, even in the midst of tribulation. And so I want to talk to you about the wonder of good gifts this morning, because that's what Christmas is all about. And, and Cody stole half my sermon this morning, but that's okay, because that's just the Holy Spirit stamping what we need to talk about today. And number one, let me give you a couple of things. Number one, the location of good gifts. I'm going to tell you this morning where you can get the best gift this morning. And, and, and the verse tells us that, that, that good gifts come from above. Look back at James 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now You say, wait a second, Jay, because I, I woke up this morning or last night and, and, and I went to this thing called the Christmas tree and I looked under this tree and I had all my presents there. And listen, that's awesome. And I want you to share with me what you got because I'm sure it's awesome. And, and listen, uh, you may have found some good things under a Christmas tree, but those good things can never replace what God gives us from above. I mean, God's word tells us that if you want good gifts and perfect gifts, those gifts only come from above. And so, and so get this key in your notes. Again, man, I'm not crusty and I'm not a Grinch this morning, but I want you to understand that earthly, corruptible, and temporal gifts can never equate to God-given heavenly gifts. They never, never can. And God is so good, and He gives us things from above. He gives us Christ, and, and we'll talk about that in a second, but, but understand that, that man, as, as much as we enjoy the physical things in this life, and we should, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Man, there's something that you're not going to find under a tree. 
There's something that came from above that is good and is perfect, and it was given by a father to a world that needed a savior, and it's Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 tells us, it says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That sounds like some of us parents at Christmas time, right? <laughs> Man, where did, <laughs> what did you do to my bank account? <laughs> I mean, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And again, man, I, I want to just show you that there's a picture, there's a pattern. Man, Christ gave up a mansion for a manger. He gave up immortality for death. The creator gave up his ability to create so that he could become the creature, right? He traded heaven for earth. He traded his authority for servanthood. He was rich, and yet he became poor. And, and listen, if you splurged on your kids, okay, man, it's okay if you do that. No, no worries. And if you don't, that's okay too. But man, God did that for us. He, he made himself poor for our sake. And so here's the key in your notes. Jesus Christ is the good gift from above. And man, that's where he came from. That's where he came from. John chapter 8 and verse 23 says, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, but I am from above. You're of this world, and I am not of this world. Christ came from above. He came from heaven above. He's God. He's eternal. He's the rightful king. And yet he forsook all of those things to become. He didn't forsake his deity, but he became a man. He became part of his creation. And listen, after he gave himself, the Bible tells us after his death, burial, and resurrection, that he returned above. He ascended back to heaven, and he's seated on the right hand of the Father, even today. And so listen, if you want a good gift and a perfect gift, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to look up. Because you're not going to find anything on this earth that is good and perfect like Christ is. You're not going to find it. And man, we try to find it, right? For me, you know, if it's Toyota, it's probably going to get me close. Okay, but, but it, it's not going to get me all the way. If it's Toyota parts, if it's, if it's gun stuff, it's fishing stuff. I mean, there's the list of things that I like, and you have the same type interest in your own particular way, and yet nothing is good and perfect except Christ. And so God tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are where? Above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And again, man, I, I know in our culture, again, I'm not, I'm not preaching about against giving gifts and I'm not even going to talk about materialism and all that stuff. I'm just telling you that the good and perfect gift, according to the word of God, is above. And for many of us as Christians, we get so nearsighted. We, we only can see what's right in front of us. And we forget that God wants us to set our eyes well beyond what we can see on this earth. Well beyond what we can see under a tree. Well beyond what we can purchase in our own power and give to someone else. And again, those are all good things. But man, if you want what's good and perfect, you're going to have to look up. You're going to have to seek what's above. You're going to have to set your affection on things above. And, and that's where Christ is. And that is the good and the perfect gift. And so, and so man, we celebrate that at Christmas, right? And, and again, we talk about the babe in the manger and the, the virgin birth and, and God manifesting the flesh and all those things. And that's all true. But listen, he lived his life. He gave his life. On the cross of Calvary. He resurrected the third day and then he ascended to heaven and he is above. And so if, if we want to continually have what's good and right and perfect, we have to have our affection above and heaven above. Number two, let me, let me teach you about the giver of good gifts because this verse tells us, you know, every gift has a giver. There's a giver and a receiver. And, and, and God tells us in this passage that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights. And so the giver of good gifts is the Father. And I think this is interesting, man, again, because good gifts and perfect gifts in the Word of God come from a Father. And I think God wants us to, to see the picture today. A good Father gives good gifts to His children. And I don't know a better passage to share with you at Christmas than this passage, because this has implications 
for your relationship with God Almighty, but it also has implications for the way you, you lead your home, fathers, because God wants to, to demonstrate through your leadership a father that loves his children and gives good gifts to his children because that points them back to their heavenly father. So don't let anyone steal your glory over that, fathers. Man, you are showing the goodness of God the Father through your giving and gifts to your children. Matthew chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. Look, check, check this out. This is really cool. The Bible says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? And, and you know how it is, man. Again, I'll take some liberty here, but at Christmas time, we ask our kids, hey, what would you like for Christmas? What would you want? What, what do you, what, what's your heart desire? And, and my kids are, are interesting, and my kids are in here, so I've got to be careful. But, 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 you know, there were some unique things for each of my kids, and I thought, well, that's very interesting. That's where your heart's at. That's the thing you want or whatever. And so we, 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 we tried our best to make it happen. Nora, we didn't get a goat. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so there, there was a line we couldn't cross. I was like, there's a goat on this list. Why is there a goat on this list? Not this year. If any of you have some acreage and, and want to babysit a goat for us, maybe we'll consider it. Okay. So, so God is saying, listen, he, he's saying to, to his, Christ is saying to his audience, listen, if your son asks for something, you're not going to give him the opposite of that, Right? And then he says in verse 11, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And, and I just want you to understand that, that, that even Jesus said, hey, you, you guys know how this thing with gifts work. Man, you love your kids. And, and if your kid asks for something, you're going to do everything you can to, to, to try to get it for them. We do that as parents, right? That's, we sacrifice so that we can bless our children. And God says, listen, <laughs> I mean, that's strong language. Hey, you're evil and can do that. You have that figured out even as evil-hearted people, as sinful people. And Christ says, listen, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? And, and, and we just need to understand that, that, man, the goodness of God is because the fatherhood of God. God gives good gifts because he's a good father. And, and listen, I'm sensitive. I understand that not every home has a father that's present. And some even have fathers that are physically present, but aren't spiritually or emotionally or, or even mentally present. But do you understand that God himself is a good father and is able to work even beyond those limitations? Man, God can work through the faith of a mother or a grandmother or a caregiver or an aunt, uncle. God's goodness as a father can shine in the midst of difficult circumstances. Psalm 68 and verse 5 says, a, a father of the fatherless and a judge of widows is God in his holy habitation. God's a good father. And even in our difficult life, man, our sin-laden life where things are broken and not according to the word of God, listen, God is bigger than even that. He's a good father and he's able to give good gifts to his children because he is a good, good father. Okay. And so listen, he is the father. Number two, he's, he's the father of lights. And I just want to, you know, that's the time of this is the time of year. Does any of you, do any of you like driving around and seeing the Christmas lights? Allie, not, she already, she raised her hand before I even got the question out. She's like, right here. Okay. Yeah. We like riding around, looking at the lights, go to Madison, spend the 30 bucks at the Trash Panda Stadium. It's worth it. It's really cool. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, there, there's just some cool stuff. Bill Bigelow, I don't, I don't think he's, uh, he's not here today. Maybe he's watching. But listen, if you go by Bill Bigelow's house, uh, he's got it like Griswold style. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And so we like going and seeing that. And it, I think it's just kind of neat this time of year that in the darkness, it's cool to just see the light. And it's cool to see what people do with the light. And God himself is called the Father of lights. Now we know from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 that God himself is light. This is really cool. This is the message that we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light. And him is no darkness at all. And so God's character, God's nature is light. Okay, but it also says that he's the father of lights. What does that mean? Well, you just got to compare scripture with scripture. And you take that word lights because lights is plural, right? 
and you just plug it in your Bible software or whatever you use to study, and you're going to land back in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis 1, verses 14 to 16, as it goes through kind of the recreation account of, of, of God restoring what was lost in verses 1 and 2, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day and the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven, right, in, in outer space or the second heaven, what we would call, to give light upon the earth, and it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, what would that be? The sun. And the lesser light to rule the night, what would that be? The moon. And he made the stars also. And, and I wish we had the time, but you didn't pack lunch today. Listen, there's so much to talk about in this passage. Here's what you need to know. In the midst of darkness, God always wants his light to shine. He always wants his light to shine. That great light that rules the day is the sun, and that sun is a picture of Christ. And do you know that every day when you go outside and you see that sun in the sky, that sun is ruling the day. God has light. He has, he has revealed himself strongly <laughs> through that sun. There's no question. Man, there's light because there's a sun. God reveals the person of Christ through, through the, the physical illustration of the sun. But do you know that even when the sun goes down, and in the night and in the darkness, God doesn't leave us in darkness. God puts a moon in our, in our sky that we can see and understand. God even puts the stars in the sky. We used to, my mom still lives there. We, I used to live in Falkville and uh, kind of out in the county, out in, you know, no man's land, so to speak. And so not a lot of city light, not a lot of light pollution or whatever you want to call it. And so, man, you go outside at night and there's no street lights and any of that stuff. You would just go outside at night and, man, the stars would just light up the sky. I mean, if you just looked up, it was like, that's amazing. It's beautiful. There's no clouds in the sky. You could just look up because there's no other light going on. It's like, man, God has framed it such that no matter how dark it is, there's always a light. And listen, God shines his light through Christ, but that moon is a picture of the church. And God intends for the church to be a light as well. You and I carry the light within us. And God's called us to shine that light to a lost world. He is the Father of lights. He's the Father of Christ, and He's the Father of us that are born again. And He's worthy of praise because of that. You know, Psalm 136, verses 1 and verse 7, that whole psalm talks about giving God thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He's good, for His mercy endureth forever. Verse 7 says, To Him that made great lights. For his mercy endureth forever. God wants the light to shine in the midst of darkness. And he does it through Christ, but man, he does it through his church too. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And I know doctrinally what that's talking about, but I can tell you devotionally that's where we live. We are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And God says that we are to live a right way among whom we shine as lights in the world. You see, the Father of lights, the giver of good gifts, wants to illuminate the darkness. And He does it through Christ. But listen, He does it through His church too. He does it through His church. And so, and so tonight, if you get out in your car and you ride around and you see those Christmas lights and you appreciate all the effort and time and energy that goes into that, and you see how those lights just pierce through the darkness. Be reminded that that's what you're called to do. Be reminded that your life is to reflect the glory of God, that the light of Christ, even in the darkest times, in the most crooked and perverse nation. Man, you're to shine as light in this world. And I'm thankful that God's character is such that, and again, we don't have time, but man, it says of God the Father that there's no variableness in God. There's no ability to change. God's goodness doesn't flicker. He's light all the time. And there's no shadow of turning with God. God doesn't turn. There's no shadow of His turning. And, and some of you need to hear that today because you think somehow, some way, God turned His back on you. And that somehow you're in His shadow instead of receiving His light. Man, God didn't go anywhere. God can't. He, he can't. There is no shadow of turning with God. 
You know, if I took one of these stage lights and I shined it right in your eye, you'd be like, don't do that. (laughs) And if I turned it, man, the shadow of the back of that would be would, would be able, you'd be able to, to, to handle that because the light would be shining a different direction. God's not like that. God's light all the time. He, 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 he has no shadow of turning. It's His character. It's His nature. And so you need to understand that, man, God doesn't turn. We do. We do. Sometimes we turn our back to the light and we, we struggle in our relationship with God and God is a good Father. Man, there's no variableness with Him. There's no shadow of turning with Him. He is the Father of lights. And then lastly, let me, let me encourage you this morning that God has given you some gifts. And so the last blank is the gifts that God has given because I want you to rejoice today that you've been given some things. Man, God loves you so much as a good Father. He's, he's, he's given you some things that are gifts. And, and again, it's super topical, but if you just run the word gift through the Bible and through the New Testament, it, it's very interesting what comes up, and this is not exhaustive, but I will tell you, it's very interesting to me. Number one, God gives us the gift of salvation. And, and Cody must have read my notes, man, because he's got the verse on the screen as we started this morning. Romans chapter 5, again, not a passage that you would normally think of at Christmas time, but a, a passage that has everything to do with a free gift that's been pur- purchased for you and for me. Romans 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him which was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the the free gift. You see, in Adam, there was an offense against God. It was sin. But in Christ, there's a free gift available that's been purchased. Look what it says. For if through the offense of one many be dead... Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one man that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For by one man's offense death reigned by one in Adam. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus Christ therefore as by the offense of one judgment came on all men even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life and you have to see that difference that dichotomy that contrast in Adam you don't even get a gift you get an offense it's your sin nature thanks (laughs) that's all you got That's all Adam was able to give us through his fall, through his sin nature, through his passing on of his sin nature to his physical offspring. But listen, in Christ, there is something that is freely available. It's a gift of forgiveness. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of forgiveness and salvation. And man, that's what Christ did for us. That's what Christmas is all about. And and again, man, the, the imagery and typology can't be ignored. You know, when you receive a gift... It's free to you, but somebody had to purchase it unless they pulled the five finger discount at the store and walked out with it. Okay, but, but I'm just telling you, that's not, don't do that, by the way. Listen, somebody purchased that gift. They delivered it to you. They presented it to you. And then you had to make a choice to receive it. And that's how free gift works. And so get this in your, in your blank, man. Listen, salvation is a gift. It's been purchased, but it has to be received. It has to be received. And listen, it's free to you and it's free to me, but it costs someone everything to deliver that. Man, it it was expensive. It was very expensive. You say, how expensive was it? Well, it was so expensive that God himself had to come to this earth, become a man, give his life, shed his blood for our sin. That's how expensive it. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 tells us that we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. And, and we value those things. We look at gold and silver and we say, man, that's very expensive. And God just looks at that and says, that's corruptible. That's, that's like pavement in heaven. That's not, even, that's not even anything of value. Silver and gold in, 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 in the physical sense is just not even 
It doesn't even get on God's radar. It's corruptible. God says we weren't redeemed with silver and gold. Verse 19 says we're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. It, it, it's precious because it's rare. It's precious because it's expensive and because of the cost of it. And listen, that free gift is available to every one of us. And I think a lot of us in this room know that, but you need to know that free gift to you wasn't free. It was bought. It was paid for through the blood of Christ. And God offers that to any person that's willing to receive it. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. You have to receive the gift personally to be forgiven of your sin. God gives us the gift of salvation, but He doesn't force your hand and make you take it. You have to receive it. And you receive it by faith. And many of us in this room understand that. And if you don't understand that, we want today to be the day of your salvation. We want today to be the day that you understand that your sin can be forgiven in Christ. It's the greatest gift you could receive. But listen, if you know that personally, secondly, you need to know that salvation is a gift that has to be shared. It's a gift that has to be shared. And if, if those of us in the room that know, man, we, we've received Christ and we can go back to that time and to that place and we remember that we were in our sin and we remember that there was a free gift offered to us, maybe through a pastor or a preacher or a tract or a friend that shared the gospel with us. Listen, once you've received that, listen, you have something that you can share with others. You have to take that gift that's been given to you and re-gift it. <laughs> re-gift that thing, man. Give it to someone else. And it's not like your work Christmas party or your gag gift party where you don't, it's, it's the gift that nobody wants. No, this is the gift that everybody needs. And you got to re-gift it, man. You got you to share it with other people. The greatest gift you can receive is Christ. And, and, and let me also say, the greatest gift that you can give to anyone is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That, that's the greatest gift you can give anybody. Share the gospel and give the gift of eternal life. Make it available so that people can receive it. Okay, and you would say, okay, we're done, man. Praise the Lord, we, we're, we're done. We talked about Christmas. We've talked about the babe. We've talked about salvation. I knew we were gonna talk about that, so we're done. No, we're not, we're not done. So you got more blanks and we can't leave without getting all your blanks. But can I tell you that that's not the only gift God gave you. There's more presents I mean, there is a point where, like, when you run out of presence, it's like, whew, that was awesome. And it ain't just one, you know, and one would be more than what we deserve. But, man, God gives us so much more. Quickly, let's go through this. Number two, he gives you the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, at the moment of salvation, God gives you what is called a gift in the person of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10 and verse 45, it says, They of the circumcision which believed were astonished. This is Peter preaching the gospel to some Gentiles, Cornelius and his family. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. God, God not only saved you from your sin and saved me from my sin, but he sealed you with a person, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. God gave you a gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. And listen, that's a person that never leaves you. He never forsakes you. The Bible calls him the comforter. He's the revealer of truth. He reproves us. He convicts us. He leads us. He reveals God's word to us. That's a major gift that God has given us. And because God has given us that gift, you know, you know how it is, man, at Christmas. Like You get some gifts and you're like, eh, okay. I know you never say that out loud because you don't want to offend the person that gave it to you, whatever. But you get that and you're like, okay, we'll put that right over here. Maybe we'll re-gift that. It may end up in the dumpster. I don't know. I'll take it to the church, put it in the dumpster so nobody knows. Whatever. Okay. We get you on video camera, by the way, when you do that. Okay, so listen, every one of these gifts are so valuable that you have to do something with it. It's like the thing that you unwrap at home at Christmas, the game that you wanted or the thing that you wanted so bad, and then you get it, and it's like, I can't wait to, to, to use it, to play with it, to, to do what, what is intended to do with this thing, right? I mean, if you get a, a pair of Jordans, you're going to put them on, right? You know what I'm saying, right? Did you get a pair of Jordans this year, Colin? Gosh, man. Uh, I'm sorry, man. You know, Yeah. You want, me to, you want me to change the way this sermon's going? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. Well, I was going to use that as an illustration. I really thought you would have got some Jordans because like those new Jordans you got for Christmas, man, they're no good in the box. You got to put them on. You got to walk in them, right? And listen, the same thing is true of the Holy Ghost. Listen, that gift is a gift. And, and here's the key. I'm not even joking. The Holy, Holy Ghost is a gift that has to be walked in. In other words, man, God gave you this person that's powerful, but he's no use if you leave him in the box. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And you need to know, man, the Holy Spirit of God is a gift, not a burden. Not a burden. You need to be thankful to God that he convicts your heart of sin. You need to be thankful to God he reveals the word of God to you. You need to be thankful to God that because of him, you can't lose your salvation. Because he seals you until the day of redemption, Ephesians 1 and verses 13 and 14. He is a gift. And because of that, man, we should rejoice. Number three, not only does God give us salvation, he gives us the Holy Ghost. Number three, he gives us spiritual gifts. You say, man, this is a weird Christmas sermon. It is because it's all from the Bible. Okay, so listen, the gift of spiritual gifts. God not only saved you and sealed you, but he gave you a spiritual gift enablement to serve him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Verse 4 says there are diversities of gifts for the same Spirit. Verse 11 says all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And again, God gave you a gift or multiple gifts. When you got saved and you got the Spirit of God, you have an enablement that you didn't have before Christ. And listen, because he gave you that gift, you got to do something with it. So here's the key. Spiritual gifts are gifts that have to be utilized. Man, we've received the gospel and share the gospel. We walk in the Holy Spirit of God because he gave us that gift. And then these spiritual gifts that God gave us, man, they ought to be utilized for his glory so that we can serve him and serve his body. And every saved person in this room, man, you have, you don't even know it, man. you got a present you haven't even unwrapped yet, some of you. You have no clue. You have no clue that God gave you a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts. And, and, and maybe it's because you haven't grown enough, but some of you, you just haven't taken the time to unwrap how God made you in your new birth. And he gave you some things to be utilized for his glory's sake. You see, you see, some of us are leaving gifts under the, under the tree. And sometimes for years and years and years. Never fully appreciating what God gave us the moment of salvation. He gave you salvation. And he gave you the Holy Spirit of God. And he gave you spiritual gifts. And those gifts, man, are like a, a present that just got put in the closet. Never opened, never used. You don't even know what's in there. Man, don't let that be you. Get excited about what God gave you, understand what it is, and then use it for his glory. Number, number four, letter D is, God gave you the gift of spiritual leaders. And I was going to put a bow on this morning and, and have Cody put a bow on, and that'd be kind of weird, but, 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 I, but I want you to understand that, that man, biblically speaking, <laughs> right now you're going back to that point in the message where I said, you know, sometimes when you get a gift and you're like, eh. <laughs> Right about now is when that, that thought is spiritual, spiritual leader. <laughs> I mean, please, whatever. Well, I, I would never put that in the, in the sermon if it wasn't in the Bible. Okay, so let me, let me just give it to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts unto men. And there's a kind of a parenthesis there, right? Now, he that ascended, what is it? But he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave, so here are some of the gifts that he gave unto men. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And the direct context of that passage is that Christ gave to his body gifts, 
specifically of leadership. And again, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm not trying to be weird. I am telling you that God blesses his body of believers with leadership. He, he blesses his body of believers with leadership. He, he gives grace and leadership to minister to the body of Christ. And, 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 and again, man, Cody knows my heart. I think you know Cody's heart. I think you know all of our hearts. Man, we humbly, by God's grace, do what we do. It's only by God's grace. But you need to understand that if you have a pastor, if you have a spiritual leader in your life, that is not a burden. That's actually a gift. God saw fit to give you a gift of his grace so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ. And so what do you do with that gift? What do you, what do you, what do, you do with that guy? You know? What do you do with a pastor? Now, I know what some of you want to do, but listen, let's talk about biblically what should you do. Because here's the thing, like here's the thing in ministry, it, it's like, man, the pastor ought to know me. The pastor ought to know my family. The pastor ought to know everything about me and my situation and my circumstances. And listen, that all sounds good until you actually get to the Bible. Because the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. And, and so listen, Here's the key to this passage. Listen, if you've been given a gift of leadership, and we've been blessed at this church because Cody is the best pastor here. He is. You've been blessed. Okay, so listen, if you've been given a leader, then leaders are gifts that God gives, and those gifts are to be known. You're called to know the gift that God has given you through pastoral leadership. You need to know your pastor's. They need to know me. You need to read the Bible. <laughs> and then go take your pastor out for coffee. And last time I checked, we both like coffee. And steak and seafood and, I mean, Chinese. And we can give you a laundry list of things of, if you need help. The point is, in any church, man, God's blessed it with leadership. And, man, you need to know your leadership. You need to know your leadership. And be thankful for the gift that God's given the body of Christ. Again, humbly. Not pridefully. I'm thankful for the men that, that were pastors in my life for so many years at my home church. Man, I'm thankful for those men, for Doug Ripley, for Joe McKegg, for, for Larry Way, for other men that God put in my life to lead and, and, and teach and guide me in my walk with God. Those are valuable, valuable people. And it did me well to know them personally. And God used it for his glory in my life. And then the last thing is the gift of the ministry, and we're done. The gift of the ministry. God's given us all this gift of the ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, Neglect not the gift that's in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of Presbyterian. And again, you know, you may not view the ministry as a gift, and yet it is. The opportunity to serve Christ for the rest of your life, the thing that God gives you focus and purpose and meaning for is the ministry. And that's a gift that he even allows us to participate in. And that's something that's eternal in nature. You know how it is. Temporal gifts, like whatever you got for Christmas this year. The truth is by next year, next December, those things will get used and abused and at some, at some point neglected, outgrown, tossed to the side, broken. I mean, listen, kids grow, they should. Interests change, wants change, needs change. And in 12 months, what you got this year, will it even be re relatable in 12 months, right? I know that happens with our kids, right? The, the list change because they grow, they mature, they, they begin to change. All of a sudden, it's not toys, it's, it's different things, right? And, and so, and so listen, at some point, even those physical gifts, we begin to neglect. Can I tell you that there's a gift that should never be neglected? It's the gift of the ministry. Paul's admonition to his son in the faith was that he had been given a gift that should never be neglected, should never be forsaken, a gift so precious and so significant. It's the gift of the ministry. And so here's the key in your notes. Lastly, look, ministry is the gift that has to be stewarded. 
It's the gift that has to be stewarded. Look at 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. The Bible says, As every man hath received the gift. And by the way, you received all these gifts by faith. And so as you have received the gift, even so minister the same, in other words, the same gift, one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Man, you received all these things by faith. And so by faith, minister these things to others. Give to others. And and as you close your Bibles this morning, I just want to challenge you. We're done this morning, but listen, let me just encourage you. Learn to seek the good gifts. Man, don't don't get tied up. Again, I'm not saying don't buy gifts for people that are important to you and and invest in your kids and splurge on you. Do all of those things. But man, the good gifts and the perfect gifts come from above. They come from above. We have a good father. Amen? We have a good father. He is the father of lights. Man, he's given us all these things. And, And by the way, he's given us more. We just don't have time this morning. He's given us salvation. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us spiritual gifts and leadership and ministry. Man, let's don't neglect those things. Let's treasure those things. Let's cherish those things because he is a good father. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. God, we we can't not celebrate just the goodness of God the fact that you are a good father. You're the father of lights. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the Son of God that loved us, that gave his life for us. Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that seals us till the day of redemption, that comforts us in the midst of trial and tribulation. God, that reveals your word to us. Lord, thank you for that person. God, thank you for the gift of spiritual gifts that we can minister to each other, not in our physical ability, but in the spiritual capacity that you've given us. That's a gift. God, even in this room, what I I see when I see this room is a multitude of diverse and different gifts and giftednesses to be used for your glory's sake. God, help us not to neglect that. Thank you for the leaders in this church, God. Thank you for the leaders that have been a part of my life for so many years. That's a gift. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. And thank you for the gift of the ministry. We're just thankful that we can participate with you. It's a a privilege, and we don't want to neglect it. We give you glory for that. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a, uh, a closing song. I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to just pray. We'll sing a couple of verses and I'll come back and close us in prayer. Thank you guys again for being here. Let's just worship the Lord together.